think I finally got enough paint and caulk off these things. I might can see through them. I'm not sure. I probably should have done that before I got up here. Any, any more prayer requests? Let's pray. God, thank you so much. Lord, for being so incredibly good. God, just thank you for the old songs, Lord. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for victory in Jesus. Thank you that there's a place prepared, a home waiting for us that one day we'll be there singing with the angels, God. Just, Lord, thank you, Lord, for the life we have now, Father, for the blessings. God, you've been so good to us, Lord, just that we can even come in here into a building and, and worship you tonight and sit in an air-conditioned, temperature-controlled environment with a roof over our head, God. There's so many that have so much less, God. I thank you, Father, even for opportunities to let me see people that have to walk long distances to sit under a tree and have what they call church. And they do have church, God. It's the gathering place. But I thank you for the blessings you've given us, Father. I thank you for hearing and answering prayers, God, the many we've seen you do. But, God, you, you've heard the prayer request tonight, Lord, and, and for Mike dealing with the cancer, you know, there, and, and Greg and, and his problems, God, and Mr. Ron. Lord, you know the needs of all. Lord, we know that you can heal them all, Father, so we just hand them to you. I ask you, would you be in the midst tonight, Father? Would you just teach us something from your word? We love you, God. You've been good to us. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I know we're still going through Acts. We're in Acts chapter 15. We'll start reading verse number 19 about where we left off <laughs> last week. But I'll be honest, I, every, everything in this whole last half of chapter 15 if, if I was doing a message right here, I, I'd have to give it a title, The Foreknowledge of God. Because everything in it, you can see the foreknowledge of God. You, you don't really see it as you read it. You don't really see it as you're just looking through. But if you take time to just look, and, and I pray tonight that, that that's what we'll see as we go through it, that God will help each of us see the foreknowledge of God. And, that, and no matter what's going on in our life, God's doing something. No matter what God is allowing in our life, God's going to do something with it. It'll be something for our good. Even when we make mistakes and we do things bad, God turns around and makes good things out of our bad things. Amen? Verse number 19 of Acts chapter 15 says, Wherefore, my sentence is, this is, remember we, Peter has spoken and James spoke, and just to bring us up, they, they, the Judaizers came to uh, Antioch and said that, hey you had to be circumcised they came to the big argument and they said you got to go to the apostles at Jerusalem they went back to Jerusalem so they've had the hearing and now they they've come to the conclusion my sentences we trouble them not which from among the Gentiles return to God but we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood for Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day then pleased it the apostles and the elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company with Antioch to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barsabas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. They wrote letters by them after this manner, the apostles and the elders, the brethren, send greeting unto the brethren, which are the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your soul, saying, You must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, that men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent, therefore, Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth, 
For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that ye abstain from meats offered to idols and from blood and from things strangled and from fornication, from which if ye keep yourselves, ye shall do well. And then the letter ends, fare you well. God bless you guys can be seated. Thank you so much. So the hearing is over. They've handed down the verdict. A conclusion has been reached, of course. Circumcision is not necessary. It's the blood of Christ and the blood of Christ alone. But now it's necessary to get the message back to the church at Antioch where, where the Judaizers, the, the false preachers, where they came and stirred all this up to start with. But rather than send Paul and Barnabas back alone, God gives them the witness that gives them the, the wisdom to, to send a couple of people with them. You know, had Paul and Barnabas come down, you had this hearing, and it comes to conclusion, and they go back. That leaves a lot of room for people to form their opinion, right? If you leave any little open door, any little edge, people will start plugging in their two cents worth. So if them two go back and, and they make it sound like, hey, it was unanimous in our favor, and, and this is what they said, it leaves room for, for people to have some doubt and put it there. So, hey, we're going to send a couple of people back with you we're, to, to help establish what was really said. Now, they said we're going to write a letter, and this letter is going to be to the church. So any time, again, that's foreknowledge of God. When God puts stuff in writing in a letter and he transfers that over to here, then that letter meant more than just that occasion. What, what was being settled right here had a whole lot more to do than, than just maybe a few hundred people at the most at Antioch or, or a few hundred at Jerusalem. This had to do with the history of man. This has to do with the life of the church. So God took time to write it down. They said, we're going to put it in a letter, and we're going to send it to you. But even had they put it in a letter and given it to Paul and Barnabas and carried it back and said, hey, take the letter back, Things could still get messed up even though it's in a letter. How many, how many of you has ever either sent or received a text that didn't get perceived exactly like it was meant? You, you send something to somebody, you, 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 you meant to encourage them, you meant it as a positive, and they were offended, and you got something back, so you, you call them and say, hey, what, what's up? And, and every, it, it's just misunderstood because text is, is writing on paper. It carries no emotion. It carries nothing with it. So the same thing could be said about a letter. They said, hey, look, we're going to write it down in a letter, and it's good to have it in a letter. It's one of the reasons that, that used to preaching, I would have three or four little things on a card. That's all I would have. But I have gotten more and more and more and more to preaching from notes. Number one, it keeps me from running as many rabbits, I ain't going to say it keeps me off the trail, but it keeps me a little bit more focused, and it keeps things established there. It kind of keeps a guideline, a point. And so that's what they said, look, we're going to write a letter, and that way it'll keep you to the point. This is what happened up there. This is the hearing, but it establishes so that when you go back, when these men go back, they can tell exactly what happened, and they have it in our writing, but you got some men, so you have witnesses there a lot, lot of wisdom shown by james and peter here and by by the elders of the church to to get god given the wisdom he says if any man like wisdom let him ask of god right so we see that that god's given them wisdom here and they send chosen men from their own company it says chief men among the brethren to make certain certain that antioch understands a decision has been reached and and that it, it is fully concluded it is 
fully agreed upon. They are all in one accord. This wasn't a, a split decision. All of the apostles, all of the elders of the church, everybody that had any say-so in this, they are all in complete agreement. You know, in the Old Testament and in the New, five times the Bible talks about the importance of having two or three witnesses, that every word be established. So that's what we see. We're going to send a letter, and we're going to send a couple people to make sure that the answer is given exactly the way they want it to be. Now, because this letter came from the church at Jerusalem, it's going to carry a lot of weight. Remember, we talked about it a lot. That's the mother church. That's, everybody has high regards to the mother church at Jerusalem. That's, that's kind of like the headship of everything. And so the chief apostles are there. So this letter is going to bring a lot of authority being from the highest leaders of the highest church. And it starts out by saying, the apostles, elders, and brethren send greeting. Now, if we say send greeting, for us in our language, and you kind of read that, that's like, hello, right? Hey, how you doing? Just, just kind of an opening greeting statement. But, but there's really a lot more because the Greek word used here, thank goodness they give pronunciations or I would mess it all up. This word is it's the Greek word is spelled C-H-A-I-R-O, but it is pronounced Cairo. The C-H-A, Ka-I is pronounced as a long double E. Cairo is a primary verb. It means to be cheerful. It means rejoice. It means be happy. So this letter opens up telling the church, hey, I want you to be happy. Rejoice because of what God has done. And the decision is here. They, they open it up with, with be happy. We've heard that somebody came to you. They pretended like they came from us. That's not true. That, that's a lie. They, they did not have authority from us. We didn't send them. But they came and they told you that circumcision was necessary for salvation. That's not true either. That, that, that's a lie. Everything is about Jesus Christ. They said, we gave no such commandment. They made it clear that, that those guys were false teachers, that they were false professions. They were putting out lies. Listen, false teaching has to be confronted. There, there are some things in church we can agree to disagree with. There, there, there are some, some things, there, there are some lines that we can both be okay we can both be okay on both sides of the fence, and, and it's all right. But when it comes to false teaching, we can't hold hands with people that are false teachers. We, we have no partnership. We have no communication, nor can we agree to disagree. I can't agree to disagree with you if what you're teaching is against this book. i got to tell you you're wrong. And, and false teaching is alive and well. Jesus told us, Matthew chapter 24, <clears throat> he says, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Verse 11, he says that many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. John told us in chapter 4 of the first of his last three letters back there, he said, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits where they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. False teaching must be met head on. False teaching must be confronted. Tim was talking about that, that guy with these mixed up beliefs. That's what false teaching does. It leads people astray. And it puts them in a place where they have no hope. They, 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 have, a, they have that English word hope, like I hope something good is going to happen. But they don't have our word hope, which is a blessed assurance. I know what's happening when I leave here. I know there's a place prepared for me. I know that Jesus Christ paid my sin debt and washed all my sin away. And God the Father has written my name down and is signed and sealed in the blood of Jesus Christ. 
I know my hope is certain. I know where I'm going. But false teaching leads things astray. And even if it's just something like right here to add in, well, circumcision was a necessity. Well, I'm sorry, but there's a lot of that going on, and I grew up in that. It, it says that the blood of Jesus is enough to get you saved, but it's not enough to keep you saved. That, that's what it says. That they say they don't say that, but they do. But because... What, what this says is you can be saved, but if you get back into your sin, then you can be lost again. No, you can't. No, you can't. The blood of Jesus doesn't wash off. But, but, because if that were true, then that means I'm earning the continuation of my salvation. I get it for free, but from that day forward, I've got to earn it. False teaching leads people to, to a defeated end where they literally have no hope. So I'm, I know that's a lot of time just to put it there, but we have to understand there's a lot going on in this world today. There's a lot of lies going on. There's a lot of lies about the hundreds or even thousands of ways that you can be saved. There's a lot of lies about, oh, we're supposed to, you know, we're, we're supposed to be one and, and tolerate and all that's going on with homosexuality and all the garbage and stuff that's out there. No, 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 no. If it's against this book, it's wrong. You, you cannot bend this book to fit your lifestyle because that's the way you want it to be. You've got to make your lifestyle fit the book if you want to be a child of the living God. And there's a lot of that going on today. And so what we see is you cannot bow and you cannot bend when it comes to, to false teaching. Verse number 25 says that it seemed good to us being assembled one accord to send chosen men unto you. Now, notice what they use. I, I love this right here. To send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Remember we talked about it. Now, Barnabas truly was. I mean, Barnabas has always been beloved by all of them there at Jerusalem. Paul, not so much, right? Paul was Saul. Saul is not the beloved. Saul was the one that came there to kill him, to persecute him. So it's taken a while for Paul to win some of them over. But what we see from Peter and from James and from the chief apostles and the chief rulers of the church is that they said, our beloved Barnabas and Paul. It says, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, some words can just slip right by unnoticed and not that one can't help but get your attention. Hazarded their lives. I mean, we think a hazard. I'm like, that word don't fit. So naturally, I'm going to know, I'm going to want to know what that one means. That, that word hazard, it, it comes from a Greek word. It means to surrender. They have surrendered their lives for Jesus Christ. It means to commit. They have committed their lives. But then this one really stands out to me. It means to give up. To, it means they, they gave up their life. For the cause of Jesus Christ. They, they gave up land. They gave up homes. They, they gave up surroundings. They gave up even friends of old. They gave up everything to, to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ in a way that no one else has. And they become the first missionaries of the church. Now, to make sure that, that we understand what the letter says and, and that the letter is to us. Verse number 26 says, we have sent, therefore, Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. Listen, the letter's great. The, the letter's a confirmation that, hey, all of, all of the apostles here, we, we all agree. that The letter is, is awesome. It keeps things straight and to the point. It, it clarifies things that this is specific. This is what the meeting was about, and this is the conclusion. But along with the letter, there is no substitute for an eyewitness, right? 
There is no substitute for somebody that was there. They were at the hearing. They heard every word by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word be established. They heard everything that was said in that hearing. They heard everything that Paul said, everything that Barnabas said, everything that Peter said, everything that James said. They heard all, the whole thing, and here they are as eyewitnesses. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. We've already talked about that in the meeting. They talked about why are you trying to make them keep the law that we can't keep? Our forefathers couldn't. We can't. Why you keep it? Not to put other things on you. But, but it says it was the Holy Spirit. See, that, that again, I was talking about the foreknowledge of God. As, as I've been studying this and looking, the Holy Spirit initiated this meeting. But you have to understand the importance of this meeting for all of time. The Holy Spirit initiated it. Buying allow somebody to come in and spread some false teaching, but it was so that he could put this meeting back together, that he could establish things. He could confirm things. He could confirm it in the church with Peter, with James, with all the apostles, and he could write a letter, and he could put it in this book so that in 2022 at Faith Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia, we have a settled answer. It's a done deal. There's no gray area. If anybody walks through the door saying you got to be circumcised for salvation, they're a lie. I know it because it was settled right here. If they walk through the door saying you got to keep all the Old Testament law of Moses, they're a lie. It's settled right here. So, so it's the Holy Spirit that actually inspired all of it. He, he initiated the meeting by allowing the confusion and then by sending the apostles down. And he, he looked through the portals of time and he said, all throughout time, the church is going to need answers. The church is going to need answers to the questions. The church is going to need a solid foundation that they can hold on to. And so he established this meeting, and he puts it in place to give us this part of the Bible. Then the Holy Spirit puts the answer in a letter, and Luke records the letter in the Word of God. Do, do we not see the foreknowledge of God? That, that he used that whole situation to put it up, to put there, so that we have a teaching over 2,000 years later. When, when, God, when God's answering questions and, and God is working things out here in the Acts of the Apostles, he's working things out for the life of the church. He, in the Acts of the Apostles and what we're looking at and all that's happening, he's not just establishing stuff for that week. He's not just establishing stuff for that month. You know why we have missionaries now? Because they established it right here at the church at Antioch when he says, select for me too, Paul and Barnabas. You, you know why we know that we're not required to keep the law? Certainly several other texts within the Bible, and Paul gave us many in the, in the New Testament. But, but this is part of it, that, that they confirm that we don't need these things. So what the Holy Spirit is doing into all that to the apostles, this stuff isn't just important for this little short window of time there. It's recorded in the Word of God because it's foundation for you and I. It's foundation for the church. It is the solid rock on which we stand that we don't have to worry about bending and wavering. This is what we hold on to. They said that we're led by the Holy Spirit. We've come to a unanimous conclusion. Salvation by grace and grace alone. Let no man deceive you. Let no man burden you. It's not about works. It's not about earning your way in. Listen, tithing's important, but it won't get you into heaven. Baptism is important, but it won't get you into heaven. Serving the Lord is important, but it won't get you into heaven. 
the blood of Jesus were to get you in. He says, let no man deceive you with these unnecessary deeds. But then he says in this letter, they write, however, there are some things that are necessary. That There are some things that you do need to do. You abstain from meats offered to idols, from blood and from things strangled and from fornication, from which if you keep yourselves, you shall do well, fare you well. Remember, we looked at it last week. The Gentiles are people who have raised up their whole life who have a God for everything. They have a little G God for everything. They got a God they need to go to if their if their left little toe is hurting. They got a God they need to go to if they need it to rain. They got a God they need to go to if somebody's sick. They got a God they need to go to if 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 it's if they want their, their dog sick. I mean, they've they, they got all these different gods. They've got all their little four-legged bunny rabbits. They've got all their four-leaf clovers and their, and their, their rabbit's foots in their pocket. They've been raised in that stuff. They, they've been raised in those traditions of men and all that idolatry. And old habits die hard. We looked at that a lot. And they reminded them, look, you've got to stay away from this stuff. Now that you're a Christian, I, Try to put yourself in, in their spot for a minute. Your parents brought you up. It, it's a little wooden calf. That's all it is. And, and, and your parents your whole life has told you about how great this little wooden calf is. And, and it becomes their God, and they believe that. However false it may be, it doesn't change the fact, right? Perception is everything to the one who perceives it. So you have this little wooden calf, and it's there, and you have it in your house, and you pray to this thing every day. You believe that it protects your family. You believe that if you didn't have it, that your family could be killed, and you, you put your belief in it, and now you've come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You've heard the truth of the gospel, and you've accepted Christ, and you believe it. You've been filled with the Holy Spirit. It's still not going to be that easy to take that thing and drop it in the fireplace. Listen, every one of us here has some old stuff to hold on to. Went riding in the car. One of the things when I, when I sold my car to high school and I bought a nicer car and I took the money and I put an Alpine stereo system in my car and that's one of the reasons I still can't hear today. But, man, I, we bought cassette tapes all the time. Stan Jackson was a terrible influence on me. We went to the mall at least once a week and we bought two or three tapes. And Man, we listened to everything. We listened to everything from country to... Well, I raps, but I don't think I'd ever listened to. But, I mean, I had a collection of cassette tapes forever. And about 15 years ago, I was doing some stuff in the basement, and there's that collection of cassette tapes. And I thought, why is that filth still in my house? Why, why is that music still in my house? But I remember all the times of riding in the car. I remember all the times listening to that stuff. I remember all the trouble I got into riding around listening to that stuff. Can, can I just, just, it wasn't that easy. I, I started thinking, man, that's yard sale. Well, you, like, who's got a cassette player, right? I, I started thinking, well, if you get, if you, no, it's trash. Don't try to make money back off something that don't need to be there in the first place. Get rid of the stuff. Can I tell you it wasn't that easy? That sounds simple enough. It's a bunch of cassette tapes, right? No, it was a collection. It, it was stuff from, from the 70s on. I mean, I wasn't but two, right? So, so you have a, these, these things, people, they think this is God's. They, they prayed to this stuff. They believed in this stuff. And now some of them still have their rabbit's foot in their pocket. 
Some of them still have their four-leaf clover in their book, and they believe in that thing. The apostles were letting, letting them know, look, the very first thing you got to do is get that stuff out of your life. you got to get old stuff out of your life. Don't go back there. Anybody here, did your whole life try to pull you back after you got saved? Did the world keep tugging on you? I know people right now, they're still, that the world is still pulling on them. They've not been saved that long, and the old way of life is still tugging, still pulling. They're letting them know, hey, look, you don't have to be circumcised. You, you don't have to keep all of this 613 Levitical law. You've been saved by grace and grace alone, but you can't go back to there. If you're still holding on to that idol, that is the number one thing. God said, love God first, and thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's got to go. You got stuff in your life that will hinder your life. There's a lot of Christians today holding on to a lot of stuff. This one foreknowledge of God. You think that they wrote that just to them for then and for then alone? The Holy Spirit of God said, no, I'm putting this in a letter for Faith Baptist Church 2022 to let everybody know and everybody that will read this book, you got to get that old stuff out of your life. The old things that hold you back, the old things that pull you back. And he put in and says, you, you, you got to get rid of that stuff. It says, stay away from your past. For them, idolatry was the big thing. That's, that was what in their past. Fornication, obviously, was a big deal then. It still is. The, the devil still uses fleshly desires against us. The devil don't ever change his tactics. He still uses things to try to pull in. He says, you got to stay away from that stuff. It might have been one thing to live that life then. You probably knew it was wrong then. But now you're a child of God. You can't live that way. You, you, can't, you can't blend. We talked about it Sunday. You can't blend into the world. We, we got to stand out. And if we truly are saved and we get all that old stuff out, then we're not going to blend in. We'll come out from among them and be separate. All the way back at the beginning of the church, this is being established right here by the apostles in this letter. He says, keep yourselves, keep yourselves from the old things of life. Keep yourselves from the sin. That word keep, keep yourselves, that actually is the phrase keep yourselves. It comes from a word that means to watch thoroughly, to strictly observe. That means Pay close attention because the devil will sneak up behind you. Watch thoroughly. That means don't just nonchalant go about your day, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Watch thoroughly. Make sure that the devil doesn't put anything in. Make sure. How, how many of you, you walk into all you did last night? I had the men's prayer meeting. Robin had fixed chili. I ate, I ate a bowl of chili before I came. But I didn't want to get so full that I'd be miserable. So y'all know I had the mindset, I'll be home in a little bit, right? But you just leave that out, I'll, I'll clean up the kitchen when I'm coming back. But, but there wasn't any crackers. I had ate, I had ate the last of the crackers. So I, I stopped by just to grab me a, a very overpriced pack of crackers because the Dollar General didn't have them. So I had to go by Mike's over there at the Econo Mart and get a little one pack. I don't know what I paid for it. But I get home and I'm humming a song. I thought, why am I humming that song? I ain't heard that song in 30 years. Why am I humming that song? How did that even get in my mind? I start trying to sing How Great Is Our God. Y'all do that to try to get a song out of your mind? And it dawned on me. It was playing in that gas station. 
the devil done crept up behind me. He, he said, they're, they're saying, watch thoroughly, strictly observe. It's so easy for that world to pull you back. And if y'all like me, I probably can't remember the words to half the songs we're doing here, but I can remember stuff from 30 years ago word for word. And all I have to do is hear a few notes of it in a store, and I'm riding down the road humming it and singing it. The, the world, he says, watch thoroughly. The, the word also means completely avoid anything from the old life of sin. That's what he says. Keep yourselves. Completely avoid anything from the old life. Old things have to be passed away. We can't keep pulling them up. Verse number 30 says that when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch. When they had gathered the whole multitude together, they delivered the epistle. That means that they, they read the letter to everybody. They called the church. They brought everybody, everybody in. Probably some of them had nothing to do with the church. Everybody come. The apostles are back. You know, this is news around the city, man. Come on. They, they read the letter, which then when they read, they rejoiced for the consolation. And Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. These are the main speakers. They stand up and they tell about the whole event. And when they had tarried their space, they were let go in peace from the brethren to the apostles. Notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide there still. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Now, it doesn't tell us what happened to the troublemakers, the ones that came up to start with. More than likely, they didn't change, but they've been called out. They've been called out a liar. They've been called out false teachers. It's been made clear that, hey, they may have insinuated they came from James in the church of Jerusalem. That's a lie. No, they didn't. So, so they, they vanished. We don't know really what happens to them but I'm sure there's a great time of celebration here at Antioch. I mean, they've been waiting for the answer. Anybody ever had any tests run because they thought it might be cancer and you had to wait on the answer? Whether it's your test or family's test, waiting's part of the hardest part, isn't it? You get the test run and, and you don't know what the answer and. You know, when I was having all that stuff, they were running all kind of tests, and their number one suspect was liver cancer, and, and it all come out, and they said, well, if it's not that, it's got to be prostate cancer, and then I had some miserable tests. God help you. I hope you never had to get those. Who came up with that stupid test? But you got to wait on answers. Waiting's the hardest part. And here they are. Here, here are these guys. Hey, we're, you know, we're saved. We're washed in the blood. We're going to heaven. We're children of God. We're members of the church. And now somebody comes up and says, no, you're not. You've got to be circumcised. And they're like, what? Wait a minute. I thought we were saved. And now this big argument starts. And now you've got to go to Jerusalem and get an answer. Well, here these people are. They don't know if they're going to heaven or hell. They thought they were saved. Now they don't know if they are or not. They thought the blood of Jesus was enough, but now they, they have to be circumcised. If I had to be circumcised, do you understand the anxiety of this church at Antioch? You're having church and everything's good, and all of a sudden somebody comes in and says, no, that's not enough. You've got to have something else. And now they've been gone. There was a lot of anxiety. They bring this letter. These people come back and said, glory to God, washed in the blood, on your way to heaven. It is enough. There, there is great celebration here. They're, they're having some church. It's not a surprise to me that these two men decided to stay around for a little while. It's not a surprise that Silas decided, hey, I think I'll just, I'll, I'll just hang out right here for a little while. According, according to the Scriptures, things weren't going quite as well at the church at Jerusalem. The, the, 
it, it wasn't in its growth spurt. It's the mother church still, but they've got a lot of stuff going on there. The excitement is going on in, in Antioch. The excitement is going on in Cilicia. So the excitement is going on where the Gentiles are being saved, and they're new Christians, and they're excited about it. They're enthusiastic about it. Listen, if a church is not producing one of two things, if you're not producing new converts who are excited about their new salvation, or if old converts are not growing in the Lord, church becomes mundane. Church just becomes dull. It becomes boring. You, you either have to have the membership growing in Christ and excited about learning new things, or you have to have new converts coming in to keep things excited. Silas came from a place that kind of gotten a little mundane. Now, all of a sudden, you got all these new converts that just got saved, and they're excited about it. It's no wonder to me he didn't want to just run on back down to Jerusalem. That, that he wanted to hang out right here for a while. It ain't no different faith Baptist church or any other church in this town or anywhere else. If we're not, listen, that's one of the things, as, as simple as it is, as simple as, I don't know why God gave me a card for six weeks. I sent it to Dale. I said, here's your first five weeks. Go ahead and get them printed. I'll give you week six later. I have week six. I'll just not give it to him print yet. He doesn't have the week six challenge yet. I'll get them printed right before we get them. Why, why would God give me a challenge for us to do something together on unity to just read the book of John? You know, honestly, God gives me something like that. I'm thinking, well, you know, there's a lot of people, new Christians, they probably need some good reading habits, right? They, they need some good daily reading habits. They need to establish some reading habits. And so if we all read the book of John together, if they feel like we're all doing it together, maybe it'll encourage them. And maybe that first week they'll read two mornings a week. But who knows, by the second morning, they, they might do three mornings the next week. But by the time we get through six weeks, they may actually read every day of the week. And that's kind of in my mind, that's what I'm thinking. It helps some people develop some things. I cannot tell you how many people have either said, said to me, called me, or sent me a text on the positive influence of reading John. I can't tell you how many people have, have, have said, hey, man, I just, I'm excited. Thank you. Can I tell you something? Not one of them are new converts. Not one. It's Sunday school teachers who said, hey, man, I just want you to know it's been awesome just to sit down and read the Bible. And I get it because it is the same liberation for me. All I got to do is sit down and read John chapter 3 today. I don't have to look for a lesson. I don't have to look for a message. I don't have to worry about Sunday's coming. It is a liberation for me to be able to just sit down and read. And I get it from Sunday school teachers in this church that it's been very liberating for me to just sit down and just read the Bible again. I've gotten it from people that said, I had read the Bible all the way two or three two all the way through two or three times and you know it's kind of like I've read it and, and then it kind of got out of place but it has renewed something in me to want to read it again because I had read it and you know it's like once you read it you've read it right wrong wrong you, you can take John chapter 1 and read just that chapter and read it every day for the rest of your life and that's all you read and every day of your life it'll speak to you Every day of your life, it'll change something for you. Every day of your life, it'll mean something different. Every day of your life, every word in that book is living water. It is a river running downstream. And every day of your life, it's bringing something fresh. It's bringing something new, alive and living well. Every day, it's bringing help for the hurting, hope for the hopeless. It's bringing food. It's bringing nourishment. It's bringing nutrition. Every day, you can take one verse and you read that one every day. Every day, it'll speak to you. But we kind of get, hey, I've read it. No, we haven't. 
No, we haven't. It's been people, it's been people said, you know, man, I used to read the Bible every day, but I've gotten kind of hit or miss. I got to where sometimes I'd take it and sometimes I'd forget it and, well, I'll get it this evening, I wouldn't, but it has it it refocused my, it's amazing to me. It's not first-timers that is helping. It, it's, it's, it's me. Just to be able to have something, just all I got, I just get to sit down and read something. Not, not look for anything in it, just, just sit down and read it. So it, it, create, it creates excitement and people have been saved a long time, but, but you got to have one of the two in the church, right? So anyway, we see that, that Silas wants to, wants to stay around. He, he says that he's there and, and, and he want, wants to, to hang out. But I, I was talking about the, the foreknowledge of God. Here, here in chapter 36, of chapter, in verse 36, we, we see the plans being made for the second missionary journey. We see Paul and Barnabas get into the argument. I'm not going to spend time there because we've already looked at that. We looked at it some time back. We skipped ahead, and we saw where they got in an argument. And they got in an argument because John Mark left, right? And now Barnabas wants to take John Mark on the second missionary journey. The apostle Paul says, he ain't going on me. Tell you that right now. He walked out on me once. He ain't walk out on me again. And we see later on when, when Paul writes another letter and send Mark for he's profitable to me. So we see that God heals some things. But look at the foreknowledge of God. Look at all the things that took place. Mark had to walk out to make Paul mad so that Paul and Barnabas got into this argument and separated. God had to allow somebody to come into the church at Antioch stir up some confusion about salvation to create a hearing back down here at the church at Jerusalem so that he answers a whole lot of questions that he can write it down and hand to the church for every day of the church aid, dispensation of grace, that he puts answers in, that, that he gives the answer, and then he sends some men back up here to Antioch. We, we know that, that Silas is a pretty big man in the church down here. Now, he, now here he is, he's coming from this, this church full of Jews that, be honest, is kind of sleeping through the process right now. He's come into a church full of Gentiles that are new converts. He probably ain't never been in church quite like this. And odds are he's never coming to this church at Antioch had the hearing not happened all the way back down here. So, so you had to have John Mark leaving the first missionary journey. You, you had to have the the discord if you will start up at Antioch to create the hearing back down here so that Silas goes back up here so that Paul and Barnabas gets in an argument here so that they separate so so that Silas becomes Paul's next partner and if you don't have that you don't have the story of Paul and Silas singing in a prison cell at midnight if you don't have that, you, you don't have the prison guard who was going to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. And Paul said, do thyself no harm. We're all here. And he came to know Jesus Christ. It started all that when John Mark left. But all, isn't it amazing how God can take a mess and make a message out of it? How God can take our mistakes, our fleshly things, everything in our life that God can take good, bad, right or wrong, whether we created or whether it just happened, that God can take any bad situation and create something good. And he can work through all that to give us a story about Paul and Silas singing in prison at midnight. And from them singing in a prison cell at midnight, a jailer, a guard, plugged into the world, least likely to be saved, becomes saved. You, you see what I'm talking about, the foreknowledge of God? Everything in that whole last half of the chapter is a foreknowledge. 
All, something had to happen because something happened. And if something hadn't happened here, this wouldn't happen here, and it wouldn't happen here. The same thing is true in our lives. Same exact thing is true in our lives. Just the foreknowledge of God. Every, everything that has happened, even, even the bad things, even the bad choices, even the things we've done wrong, all of those things God can take and work together to do something good. If nothing else, God can take the bad things of our past to use us to help somebody that's in some bad things now. But had we never been there, we wouldn't know how to help them. Sometimes you had to have been through some stuff to understand where somebody's at, right? You, you can't understand unless, unless you've been where they are and, and you understand what it means. And so some of the things that happen, some of them created by our own choices, by our own bad decisions, God can now use those to help us, help somebody else who may have made a bad choice. And let them know that, hey, that's not the end of life. It's just a bad choice. That's what grace is all about. The forgiveness of God is real and it's forever. And, and just move on. So, Lord willing, I'm going to move on to chapter 16 next week. We'll meet young Timothy. Um, start some bit about Timothy. I'm not, I'm not going to finish out there on, on the end of that. But if you want to read those last few verses there. But in it, if you want to read and you go home, just read that chapter again and, and look at the end of it. Be encouraged. Be reminded. Everything has a purpose. Everything has a plan. Whether we see it at the time or not changes nothing. God does not answer every prayer the way I want it answered. Anybody say amen. But he hears every prayer that I pray. And he takes care of every situation in his own way, in his own time. So, so that it's for our good and for his glory. God's so amazing. We get to call him Father. Wow. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being so good. God, is, it's not just your foreknowledge. It's everything about you is awesome. Your goodness, your kindness, your love, your mercy, your compassion, the way you love us in spite of us, God. Everything about you is so amazing. This book that you gave us is so amazing, so precious, so alive, so helpful, so encouraging. God, I pray you'd help us, Father, to, to be readers of this book and to be doers of what we read. God, I pray you'd make us usable vessels. We love you, Father. You've been so good to us. I pray a hedge of protection around every family represented in this place. God, I pray you'd help us at Faith Baptist Church to be alive, God. I pray you'd help us to learn more about you, to be excited about what you're doing, We're excited about what you're doing in us, excited about what you're doing in the community, God. Use us, Father, to change this town with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us, Father, to change our surroundings truly one soul at a time. We love you, God. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name.